I usually think of Sunday nights like this as some of the best Sunday nights of the year. Uh, what a blessing it is to be together and uh, to study, to worship, and to enjoy each other's company and be able to look out of the window and, and just see the beauty of God. Worship is all about God. Pouring out adoration to God. Worshiping God. And to be reminded of the power of God even through nature is a blessing. Uh, it, we're going to be studying in just a moment from 1 Timothy 2. If you want to be turning there, be doing that in the Bible that's in your pew there. We're going to be looking at several passages. Be sure to grab your Bible or grab one of the Bibles. 1054 will be the, the, the place in the pew Bible there. Uh, but what a day we've had. To, to see your generosity is absolutely amazing. The, the uh, Operation Christmas Turkey was well underway, and those of you by second service, it had been out in just a few minutes, and uh, the uh, turkey slots have been taken, and so uh, we that kind of generosity, and uh, to see our young ladies serving Christ, to see them uh, placing a huge emphasis on stocking our pantry, uh, that's just so awesome. Our young ladies are such a blessing to us, we love and appreciate them, and know that not only are they a blessing now, but they're going to be a tremendous blessing. The Lord's keeping uh, for hopefully a lot of years. And then to know that a good pastor had a, a food drive and the molds uh, were able through their involvement in that to secure uh, probably a thousand pounds, two thousand pounds of groceries. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, we're thankful for that. And then, of course, the hot chocolate giveaway was a tremendous. Uh, success yesterday with our Christmas parade and and we are thankful for the impact and the influence that we could have in the life of this community in that particular way. Tonight what I'd like for us to do is just spend a few minutes going back to, you know how in college courses you had the 101s, you had the basics. I'd like for us to just think about prayer for just a moment as, as a 101, as, as just probably about as basic as approach as we could, but to be reminded that sometime of the basics is really where we need to go back to on a regular and a daily basis. We, we understand that perhaps in sports as well as anything. Whenever we lose sight of the fundamentals, we lose success. And that's true in our spiritual life and our walk. Whenever we lose sight of the fundamentals, uh, we, we just really lose our way. Uh, with that in mind, you know, I, I know our elders have been thinking about next year. Our staff has been thinking about next year. We've had a, a, a retreat where it was just a working retreat where we spent hours upon hours thinking and planning of things for next year. And, you know, with that fresh on our minds right now, it, it just kind of hit me the other day. And this will tell you how simple my mind is. I just thought, what, what if we could do something that would move the entire congregation to pray fervently every day? And to study God's word deeply every day. That's all we'd have to do. That would take care, I think, unless I'm missing something, that would feed everything else that needs to be furnished and nourished and, and all. And so, so tonight, even though I know this is very basic on purpose, but I want you to see how important it is. If, if we lose sight of how important prayer is, we lose sight... Of, of achieving what God has offered in our spiritual growth and development. And so, as we read this in 1 Timothy 2, notice how he describes, if you will, four types of prayer. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, four types or, or, or uh, ways to approach prayer uh, or in our prayer to approach God. Look at the second chapter in verse 1. 
He says, and again, that's page 1053 or 54 in the Bible, it's in your pew. And he says, therefore, I exhort, and of course, exhort is, is to plead, to encourage. So Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy's working at Ephesus. Remember, Paul loves the church at Ephesus. And so he's wanting Timothy to do well because he loves Timothy. He wants Timothy to do well in ministry because he loves the kingdom. He wants Timothy to do well in ministry at Ephesus because he loves the church at Ephesus because he knows them so well. He lived with them for three years. And so he's making this exhortation, this, this, this uh, encouragement to Timothy, therefore I exhort, first of all, chapter 1 was introduction. So now the preacher is saying, let me tell you the first thing. Let me tell you the second thing. Let me tell you the third thing. So now he says, here's the first thing that I want you to make sure you accomplish. First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Isn't that interesting? We're going to come back and look at those, but let's finish this sentence. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So what are these different facets or avenues, if you will, of prayer? What, what's accomplished in these various types of prayer? Notice the first one he mentioned was supplication. That Greek word is mentioned 19 times in the New Testament. Sometimes it's translated simply prayer. Other times it is translated supplication. Other times it's translated to make request. Supplication is just that. Supplication is to have a need. And to make a request to another to help fulfill that need. Now note this. This is real important. The definition I just gave you would just kind of be a secular definition. In other words, if maybe uh, it, we would say, well, they submitted a supplication requesting for such and such aid. Talking about in a political or a social aspect or maybe even a community aspect. But you know, all 19 times that word is used in the New Testament, without exception, it's always used in a person petitioning God. In the Bible, supplication is about you and I realizing that we have needs in our life and there is one who can fulfill those needs. And so we turn to God and we make our request known to him. Now think about the humility that that demands. Number one, to admit that we have weaknesses. And number two, that we can't fulfill them ourselves. And so in humility, we turn to the one who can. And, and that, that is, is, is beautiful and it's powerful. In 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, you know, in, in about long verse 6, he talks about us living under the mighty hand of God. But we have to humbly, he says, live under the mighty hand of God. In other words, are we going to be humble enough to say, I can't walk through this life on my own power. I'm going to live under God's hand. And then the very next verse, once we recognize that, the very next verse, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. So who is it that don't cast their cares upon God? People that aren't humble. People that are proud, oh, I can take care of it myself. I don't ask anybody for anything. But the humble, they often come to God and say, I have supplications. I have needs in my life that I need you to fulfill. Notice that second word, prayers. Now, that, that's a real common word to us in, in, as, as religious and spiritual people. But think about how that word falls into this list. In other words, we generally would say, well, if you're praying a supplication, you are praying. If you're praying thanksgiving, you're praying. So why is it used here in a list of supplication and prayer and intercession? How is it used in that sense? It seems that the way Paul is using the word here is to point out that prayer is a time to commune with God. It's a time for personal devotion. Or it's a time of worship to God. 
It's a time where we recognize how valuable that gift is of a relationship with God that we can go to God and we can pray to God. But notice, and, and we, we, t- we, we uh, developed this particular point that I'm about to refer to uh, a couple of weeks ago when we began the 48 days of prayer. So I'm only going to mention it here to see how it fits in this list. We're not going to develop it tonight because we've done that in the past. But what we have to make sure that we're aware of when we're praying to God is that we do not see that time of communing with God in prayer as a time to manipulate anything. God's will must be prayed as we pray to pray properly. And we need to make sure that we realize that when we pray, it's not to relieve us of our responsibility. So you see, prayer is not a time to talk to God and try to twist His arm. Prayer is not a time to talk to God and us try to duck out of things. And you say, I don't understand. What do you mean by that? Let's just use an example like tonight. What What if one of your neighbors... Or someone that you sit around here uh, every Sunday and you're concerned about them tonight. Maybe it's an elderly person. Maybe, maybe it's a, a shut-in that you know about. And maybe right now the snow is falling and you're concerned. I wonder if they're safe tonight. I wonder if they're doing well. Now think how foolish it would be for you not to do anything to check on them. But then tonight say, I've got to pray about that. God, please, please help make sure that they're safe tonight. Make sure that their needs are being fulfilled. Can you imagine how God is looking down and saying... What? You chose not to call them? You chose not to check on them? And then you're going to ask me to make sure that everything's well with them? You know, you you got to wonder how many times God's thinking, Hey, don't be talking to me about this. Just do what is your responsibility. You check on them. You make sure they're all right. Prayer does not relieve us of our responsibility. Now, certainly, it'd be wonderful to check on them and and to make sure they're all right and then to pray about them. But you see, to not do our part and then say, well, to ease my conscience, I'm just going to pray about it. God doesn't play games. You, you, You don't manipulate God and you don't fool God into thinking... Okay, I won't do my part, but I want to feel better about it. And, and so when we think about prayer, what is prayer? Prayer is a time to commune with God, but it's not a time to play games with God. But notice that third one, and that is intercession. That's the one that I want us to spend just a little more time on, and then we're going to make a quick comment about the last one and close the lesson out. Intercession is, is one of the most beautiful gifts about prayer that God gives us. Intercession is built upon the fact of two different relationships. We never intercede for someone else in prayer unless we have grown close to God and we have love for the other person. When we have genuine love and concern and care for another person, then if we have a close relationship with God, we will intercede to God on their behalf. Now notice, intercession, as it's talked about in prayer, is always us going to God on behalf of another person. Now, if we think about like evangelism, it would be us going to the person about God. But intercession is when we're going to God on behalf of another, expecting God to influence their life, expecting God to rule over a situation in their life. Now, that's powerful. That's very powerful. As we think about this... We literally could do a long sermon series on this. So tonight, I just want us to read a couple and then I'll refer to a couple other ones. But it is amazing through the scriptures how powerful things have changed in the lives of others 
because someone has interceded to God on their behalf. Let's start out by just looking at Genesis, the 18th chapter, and then, um, and, and then we'll mention another Old Testament and then go over to the New Testament. And Genesis, the 18th chapter, is the first time that we see in the Holy Bible that uh, intercession was made on behalf of another. And, and it, it really gives us an insight to understanding what intercessory prayer is. In Genesis 18th chapter, we have God preparing for the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you remember that Abraham had great concern for that town because Sodom is where his nephew Lot lived. And so uh, let's pick up just kind of in the middle of this in verse 22 to see how this relates to intercession, intercession and prayers. In 22, then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. By the way, it's page 16 in the Bible, it's in your pews, page 16. Genesis 18 and 22, then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous would be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, I will spare all this place for their sakes. And you may remember the rest of this story. He begins to negotiate. And, and so once God accepted 50, he said, what about five less? Would you spare Sodom for 45? And when God said he would, he says, okay, what about for 40? And when God said he would, he said, what about for 30? And when he said, yes, he said, what about for 20? And we said, yes, what about for 10? And finally said, okay, God said, because you're asking, I'll spare Sodom if only 10 righteous people are there. Now, there weren't 10 righteous people there. And so God was going to destroy it. But think how powerful it is when we go to the 19th chapter to verse 29. Look at the 19th chapter and verse 29. Now this is really powerful for us to understand the power of making intercession and prayer. This is uh, the 19th chapter 29. It came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of, of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Isn't that powerful? God, why did you spare Lot? Now notice, God didn't say, I spared Lot because of Lot. God said, I spared Lot because Abraham, his uncle, made intercession for him. Friends, How powerful do we think prayer really is? Do you really believe that prayer spared the life of Lot? The Bible teaches it did. And when we start to realize as we go through the scripture, this is a powerful blessing God gives us. Then perhaps we need to stop and say, what am I praying on behalf of others? so that their life can be powerfully influenced by God. You remember Moses, the golden calf was made. God wanted to destroy him. And it was Moses that went face to face and made intercession on behalf of the people that spared their life. Job's friends, God said, I'm not forgiving them unless you intercede for them. Job had to intercede for those friends that gave him down the road and made his life miserable. 
He had to intercede for his friends so that their sins could be forgiven. Look over at Luke, the 22nd chapter, a powerful example. Luke, the 22nd chapter, Jesus prayed intercessory prayers. And Luke, the 22nd chapter, uh, it's page 933 on the Bible, it's in your pews, 933. Now, this is, this is where a lot is revealed to us about how badly Satan wanted Peter. You know, now sometimes we really give Peter a hard way to go. We talk about, you know, oh, he, I, I can identify Peter. He made mistakes all the time. Friends, we're probably giving ourselves a pretty big compliment when we say that. Peter made some mistakes, but Peter was a mighty force in the kingdom of heaven. And, and Satan knew that he was going to be a mighty force. And so Satan wanted to take Peter down before he could ever really get started. And here's an example of it. And then you say, well, why was Satan not able to take him down? Have you ever thought that it may be one reason why Satan was not able to take him down? And that's because Jesus prayed, making intercession on behalf of Peter. Look, look at verse uh, 31, 933. This is Luke, uh, the 22nd chapter 31. The Lord said to Simon, and this is to Peter, Simon Peter. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, exclamation mark. The Lord speaking strongly to him. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And notice this phrase. But I have prayed for you. If you mark in your Bibles, that's a line you ought to underline. I have prayed for you. How powerful is that? Now let's finish this sentence. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen the brethren. Now, how powerful is that? Jesus knows that Satan has asked for Peter's soul. What's Jesus going to do? Oh, first thing I better do is run to Peter. I better tell Peter, hey, you better look out. He's after you. Let me give you a list of three things you ought to do. Let me give you a list of three signs that you can see that's warning. Let me, let me give you a, a, a few phone numbers to call so that when you're feeling weak, what was the first thing he did? Jesus knew Satan was after Peter. The first thing Jesus did was pray to God for Peter that his faith would not fail. You say, wait a minute, his faith wouldn't fail. He denied the Lord three times. Oh, he sinned. But he had enough faith after his sin to come back to God. And so his prayer was not, Lord, I pray that Peter will never sin. But his prayer was, I pray that he'll have enough faith to come back. And when he does, he'll be able to help those other 11 apostles. Because they need a leader. What difference did it make? I would think it made all the difference that Jesus prayed. Why would it be recorded if, if there was no difference made? Why would we have the example of Jesus doing it and we're supposed to walk in Jesus' footsteps if there's no power in it. Why is this story in the Bible except to show us we need to be fervent in our prayer life for other people? Let's read one more. Let's go to Ephesians. I'm sorry, to Colossians. Colossians, uh, the fourth chapter. We're going to the very end of the book. Colossians, the fourth chapter, page 1048 in uh, the Pew Bible. 1048, Colossians 4. 
As you talk about and study intercessory prayer, you have to love Epaphras. And Epaphras was a man who apparently was being held as a bond servant, uh, as some kind of servant type of situation uh, as, as uh, Paul was in prison. And so Paul is closing out his book to the people of Colossae. Paul is sitting in prison himself. There are several people that he's greeting through his prayer. And, and notice what he says about Epaphras here in the 12th verse of Colossians 4. Epaphras, who is one of you. So you see the setting? Paul's writing this letter and he's saying, Hey, way over here, I'm being held in prison in Rome. And there's a friend here that, I, that I'm a fellow brother with. His name's Epaphras. And he's one of you guys. He's from Colossae. And so as I'm signing off this letter, I want to send you greetings from one of your own. Now notice the compliment he gives this man. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you. So he's saying hello. And then Paul says, I want to tell you about this man. Always. That means consistent, right? Always laboring. That means working hard, right? Fervently. That means from the depth of your being. This is sincere. This is honest. This isn't something just casual or lighthearted. So always laboring fervent for you. That's intercessory. For you in prayers. Someone says, okay, I've been motivated tonight. I'm going to get more serious about praying for other people. What should I pray? There's probably a thousand different things we ought to be praying but here's a pretty good example right here. What did he pray for them? That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. I want to challenge every parent and grandparent here. Will you pray that every day this week for your children and grandchildren? That they will stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Someone said, we've got to make sure we're teaching our children... We also got to make sure we're praying for our children. What about that new convert that you've been trying to encourage? Are you praying for them just as hard as you're trying to encourage them to their face? Do you realize when we leave petitioning God out of the picture, we've left the most powerful one out of the picture? And so when we think about making intercession for someone else, think how powerful this is. Now, he, Paul just can't stop with this. Notice verse 13. He, he has continually praised this guy. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis. Now, notice he says that he has a great zeal for you. Pause there for just a moment. How did Paul know that he had a great zeal for them? He's never seen him interact with them in person, probably. So how do he know that there was a great zeal? Have you ever noticed that there are people that they can act real excited when they see you face to face? The truth is they can forget you for weeks when you're not face to face. But what about if someone, when you're not in their face, they're fervently praying for you every day? Is it safe to say that that person has a zeal for you? I don't know if you have that gift. But if you do, I want you to stop and think for a moment. Do you have someone in your life that prays fervently for you every day? Do you realize the gift that is? 
To know that someone is talking on your behalf to Almighty God for your well-being. You know, when we get to heaven, maybe we get to sit down and ask God a lot of questions. One of my top, probably 10, 15, one of my top ones is going to be, how was my life different because my mother prayed so fervently every day? I'm just curious. I have no doubt in my mind, my life is very, very, very different. Maybe you say, I I haven't had that gift. But you wouldn't rob someone else of that gift, would you? You have the ability to give that gift to someone else. You have the ability to make a huge difference in someone's life because you labor, always labor fervently for them in prayer. Back to the text we started at this evening. The last one was giving thanks always for all men. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I want to make sure, young preacher, that as you think about ministry, you haven't lost sight of how important it is to make your supplications. Lean on God. Pray. Stay in close communion with God. Make intercessions. You want to help other people? Pray for them. And then do everything, everything with a grateful heart. And I emphasize everything. Not all things in life are good, but we can find the good that God can bring about in all things. And friends, I couldn't make the point tonight, if you gave me another 30 minutes, I couldn't make it any better than today's blog. If you have not read today's blog that Joe Brown has written, I'm telling you, don't go to sleep tonight without reading it. When a man can tell you about a deep depression that he went through and how he learned to thank God for his depression and backs it all up with Scripture and talks about his journey out of it, it's powerful. Can you give thanks in all things? Can you find God's hand? Can you find God's work in your life? God's good. Not everything in life is simple. Not everything about God by any means is simple. Thank goodness it's not. But friends, back to the basics. Prayer. How's your prayer life? Now, you know, if I led a a great sermon. And when I say great sermon, I mean a great topic, a great study. I'm not talking about the guy presenting it, but a great study of prayer. If I let that go by without urging you to do something, I want to challenge everybody here tonight to walk by the prayer panels and make sure that you get at least one, at least one of the notes Put it in your pocket or your purse and challenge yourself that you're going to make intercession for at least one of your brothers and sisters in Christ this week, every day. They've told you what they want you to pray about. 
and what a wonderful gift we can give to them. This evening, can we give you the gift of praying on your behalf? It's a blessing that God gives us, an opportunity that He gives us, and we'd love to do that. If you're not a child of God and you want to be immersed into Christ, we'd love to assist you with that. However we could help you tonight, let us know as we stand and as we sing.